reading a book called Hillbilly Effigy, and it is great. The author is putting forward in this book the implications and the influence that growing up in the Appalachia region of this country, primarily Kentucky, has had upon his life. And one of the things that he says is that the the nomenclature or the titles that they give to people are very reflective of that region of the country. Uh, Grandmother is not Yaya like Wendy is to Emerson, but Mama. And uh, while I'm Pop-Pop to Emerson in the Appalachian region of the country, primarily Kentucky, then I would be uh, Papa. So Mama and Papa, if he heard someone outside of the community address one another that way, then he would dial in and know that they had at least been under the influence of the Appalachian regions and that Scotch-Irish ancestry that is so bedded there. So that on a playground, if you heard a child call out, Watch me, Papa! then you would know two things. You would know, number one, that that child is related to that man because that's his title. But you would also know that that is describing, it's descriptive of that man. The big idea this morning is this. Jesus gave God's name to his disciples to his followers and therefore he gives God's name to us and Jesus would use God's name in prayer and God's name is not simply his title but like Papa it is a title Yahweh is a title but it's also a description. It's a description that says, I am that I am. I am in heaven, but I also created the earth. I am all things. And whatever you need, I am. And so prayer is also known as calling upon the name of the Lord. And we're going to do that. We're in a series on prayer where I'm really trying to be more direct and focused in in the message, much more narrow uh, in the message, focused on the actual act of prayer. And so we're going to have five minutes to pray together as a congregation at the end. This is where we're headed. And we're going to pray the names of God, or at least one name of your own choosing. So let me read the scripture this morning. Uh, John 17, verses 6 through 9. Now this is Jesus praying in the upper room prior to going to the garden and then being seized for trial and crucifixion. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth 
that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Let me make two observations about this text. The first observation we read in verse 6, where the work of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the goal of Jesus, the life of Jesus was to make God knowable. To make God knowable to his disciples. And his life, his ministry, his mission, and his goal would be evaluated on that basis. Did he accomplish that goal? Look at verse 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So it wasn't simply the cross. I mean, of course, that was the atoning work of Christ. But his whole life was while it led up to the cross and then the glorious resurrection to show us that we sinners, forgiven by the power of the cross and the shed blood, we would live forever. We would not be contained in a grave. But his whole life was teaching his disciples, teaching them the ways of the kingdom, the words of the kingdom, who God was. God is a father and God is your father and God has a people and a kingdom and you are now his people out of bondage for service of his kingdom. His whole life was to that end. That was his work. He had a a ministry to make God knowable. And he says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me. The word manifest means to show. It uses the senses of sight. Um, if you said, I think she's depressed, you would ask, someone would ask, well, how do you know? And you would begin to describe, well, she's tired all the time. She's very lethargic. She's very down on herself. Her, face, her facial features appear that she's not sleeping very well. She's very worried and anxious. You know, she, perhaps she bites her fingernails. Now, everybody just put their hands under their seat. Um, those are all signs, indicators that a person's depressed. Jesus says, I manifest, I showed to the sense of sight your disciples what? I manifested your name. I showed them your name. I showed them you in your names. I made you knowable by your names. Now, this is very, very important because if we are ignorant of God's name, that will pollute our prayers if we pray at all. It's certainly, if we are ignorant of the name of God or the names of God, it may very well be find us very discouraged that we pray we don't pray at all or we just pray and pray and pray and pray but we never see answers we never see any evidence or fruition of an answer or response to our prayer might i submit that you're praying to a different god you're praying to a god of your own imagining or a god of your own design one of the most popular views of God is called M.T. 
MTD, Moralistic Therapeutic Deism. Moralistic meaning that, that God is just a God about rules, right and wrong. He's pretty boring, but it's like people that go to church on Sunday morning, you, you're just good people. You're rule keepers. And so God likes you, and he doesn't like the rule breakers. Therapeutic. So it really sounds like a fun God to pray to, doesn't it? Therapeutic is that, that God is the, he just, he is there, doesn't really want a relationship with you there. He's just there to give you stuff. Whatever you want. You know, you want a new car? God, I need a new car. I look good in a new car. You need to give me a new car. And you just keep praying and ask him for whatever it is that you want. Really, you want the gift, and you expect him to be the gift giver, but not a gift. Not the, you don't look at the gift giver, you just want the gift. And then the last one is the most popular one. Here's what I hear. Pastor, I believe in God. It's not like I don't believe in God. I believe he exists. I mean, come on. I just don't believe that he knows me. I, I just, I, I don't know a whole lot about him, but he's just far away. He's distant. Now stop. If you think the name of your God that you're praying to, his names again describe him. His name is deistic or deism. How will that encourage your prayers? How will it encourage you to pray if you think he's so far away? If you were to look at Genesis 16, 13, and I can turn there quicker, I think, than you can um, to read this. But it's in Genesis 16, uh, 13, we have an example. We've got a gal that her name is Hagar. Abraham and Sarah have been trying to have children. Sarah, her womb is closed. She's not conceiving. God's up to something. She gets the idea of, I'll give you my, my maidservant, Hagar, you sleep with her, have a baby for her, and basically I will be the surrogate parent, we'll adopt them in, You're, that will be the line. So Hagar, is, she, she, is, she sleeps with Abraham, she's pregnant with what will be Ishmael, but she begins to look differently towards Sarah, and Sarah tells him, send her away, and Abraham's like, kind of passive guy, he's like, well, I don't really want to get in, the, in between you two guys, um, do whatever you want, okay? And so she's like, get out. So Hagar is in the wilderness. And she prays. It says in verse 13, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Now remember, the job of Je- the, the, the work of Jesus in our life then and now is to make God knowable. And here is God coming to her in the, in the presence of a, of a, of a being and, and meeting her there in the wilderness, and he's revealing himself. He's making himself knowable to her. He, he talks to her. Prayer is a conversation. And what is her response? He talks to her and what does she say? It says, she called, now the ESV says called the name of the Lord, but that word for called is kara, which means called on, or called out, proclaimed. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's loud, 
or it could be very, very quiet, but it's saying, I am praying the name of Jesus. And what is his, or the name of God? And what is the name of God? My God is a God who sees me. That's her prayer. I, oh God who sees me. God, you are the God who sees me. And that's a prayer. And that's enough. It was enough for her to do two things. She rises from that place. She blesses that place. She calls it, this place will forever be special to me. It'll be the place where God met me. The God who sees me in my trial and my suffering. He sees me in my loneliness. He sees me when I'm, I'm facing such a, 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 a lonely, trial-filled future. My God sees me. And then she gets up and she goes back in. It strengthens her and equips her to go back into a very challenging situation in the family of Abraham. Uh, second observation. Jesus here, we're told, and if you look in verse 9, we find that uh, Jesus is praying that the disciples will know him. Um, in verse 9 it says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those that you've given to me that are yours. Jesus here is saying to us, and this, my observation here is he's, he's saying, you know what, it all began God, when you came into the disciples' lives and you revealed yourself to them. Matthew 11, verse 27 says, All things have been handed over to me by Father, by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And now, Jesus is saying, Father, you've been revealed to them. And he talks about it in verses um, 7 and 8, what that revelation looks like. He's saying, I have manifested your name to them in that not only do they see you, God, they now see you. They're no longer in dark myth or religious uh, ambiguity. They're, they're no longer in the dark or, or ignorant of you. They now know you. And they now know who I am in relationship to you, that I am the Son. And now they're coming to know that I am their Savior and I am their Lord and I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep praying that they will know more of me. And that's the process of sanctification. And that's the hope that we have. One of the vows for membership is that I will, by the grace of the Holy Spirit become a follower. I will live like a follower of Christ. In other words, God doesn't save us and then say you're on your own to become a better person or you're on your own to transform your life so that you image Christ. No. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, revealed who God is. And we bent the knee, we repented, and we believed, and we followed. But it's not stopped. Jesus is still praying. And when he says, I am praying for them, he doesn't simply mean the 11 disciples or the 500 that followed him. Your name, your name is there. What is one of the names of Jesus? Jesus, the intercessor. 
We're taught in Hebrews that he ever lives, ever lives. His work is not done. His work was to manifest to you and your heart the name of God in the beginning. And his work continues now that he's ever, ever wanting to say, God is your father. God is the almighty. God created you. God is your righteousness. Jesus is your savior. He's continuing to do it. He's continuing to pray that our eyes stay open and our minds remember this name these names of God, which are a rich, rich theology. Now, two applications. Number one, if this is so, if Jesus is praying the names of God, which, by the way, Matthew 6, verse 9, Matthew 6, verse 9 is where he, he gives his disciples a tool to pray. They, they came to him and they, they said, we see you pray. They would have overheard this prayer that is recorded in this gospel of John. They say, we want to pray like you. So how did Jesus pray? He says, well, here's how I pray. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, when you have a hallowed uh, piece of, uh, if you have a hallowed vase in your house, that means it's set apart. It's hallowed. It's set apart. It's special. That's not for common use. He said, when you pray, disciples, hallow his name. Begin there. And you listen. You listen to how Barry and then the other shepherds, when they began to pray, the first thing they began to do is they began to magnify the name of the Lord, like putting it under a magnifier. God, you are our Father. God, you are our great creator. This morning, Barry's praying. God, you are sovereign and in control of all things. That's a name of God, and we are praying. It's not simply his title, but it's descriptive of him, and we can use that too. Indeed, we are. I've got a good friend, Tim Hanley, lives in Chapin, and he has a prayer ministry. And his, uh, his life verse, the verse that he has over his um, ministry is Isaiah 43, verse 19. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And so when, when you pray with Tim Hanley, right out of the gate, he starts praying like this. Dear God and Waymaker. Think about it. He has said and prayed a mouthful. Oh, dear God the way maker, the one who makes a road in the wilderness. There is no road. There is no way. There is no hope. There is no how. But you can make a way. If you just simply repeated that, you've prayed, God, you are the way maker. God, you are the way maker. God, you are the way maker. Are you following? We can do that. Uh, let's see. Mike or uh, Kathleen, in just a moment, we've, there are over 85 names of God in the Old Testament. Not counting the names of Jesus in the New Testament. You may say, well, now how many names does Jesus have? Jesus, which means Savior. Christ, which means Messiah. Emmanuel, which means God with us. See where I'm going? 
And now in the Old Testament, if you look, we've just chosen ten names. And in a minute, I'm going to lead us in five minutes of prayer. And we are going, I'm going to encourage you to choose at least one name. And if you would like, you can take your prayer journal and you can write out your prayer to God. And you can apply it. You can choose more than one name if you like. But Jesus encourages us to pray the very names of God. The second thing is, by way of application, please know this, that when it says in verse 9, I'm praying for them, Jesus is impersonal because can you imagine how big our Bible would have to be if it included your name? But your name is included. Google something. Google this question. Uh, and if you've got Echo, I don't know what she, I don't know what Alexi would say to this question, but does God know my name? Does God know you by name? And do you know what text will show up? Luke chapter 19, verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now you might excuse it by saying, well, I'm sure Zacchaeus in a tree probably had some people shouting, oh, look at Zacchaeus, the tax collector Jew. Oh, that crazy Zacchaeus. Short little Zacchaeus getting up. Maybe, maybe Jesus overheard it. Or maybe you're willing to say, you know, that was Jesus. There was always that God in him because he was a son of God. So he just knew, just like a mind reader. That's, that's not the point. The point is Jesus addressed him by name. Zacchaeus means pure one. I'm sure he didn't think of himself as very pure. But Jesus spoke to him. He affirmed his very name. Some of you know uh, Molly. Uh, do you know what Molly's last name is? I didn't until this week. She stopped by the center and uh, was very helpful. And she stopped by my study door and she said, um, Pastor Phil, you know what my last name is? And I just kind of, Molly, I don't know what your last name is. And she said, it's Lithwaite. It's German. You know what it means? And I'm like, no, Molly, I don't know what your name means. She said, do you know what your name means? And I said, yeah. She says, your name is German too. And I said, yeah, my name is Stogner, and I've heard that it means like Sheepgate or something like that, but I'm not sure. And she said, you ought to find out because your name is pretty important. My name means Lily of the Valley. And you know, that's one of the names of Jesus. And I thought, Wow. How beautiful is a prayer where I'm able to speak to God by His names, and there are many of them. It will draw me into intimate conversation, and He will speak to me by name as well. A good name, a new name, a name that He has given to me as His creature. And that's where we get to see prayer as calling upon the name of the Lord. And the incentive to pray comes not from guilt 
or shame or a sense of duty, but it becomes more of a child meeting with a father, a papa that they know intimately by name and description. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, pull out your uh, prayer journal sheet, and we're going to put up the uh, time clock. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to deputize Ed again. If you need an ink pen to write, then just uh, raise your hand. He'll pass a couple of down the road. I want you to. It's it's not. It's, I think it's I think it's sweet. I like for people to know my, um, you know my. I like for people to to not simply call me, you know, John Stogner. That normally is a clue that it's a telemarketer or somebody trying to sell me something. I like to be known as Phil. It's more intimate to me to be known as Pastor Phil. When I introduce myself even to strangers, who are you? Well, I'm Pastor Phil. And that says more than simply, it's more than a title. It says, that's kind of my job. That's my office. That's who I am. Well, it's not critical that you pray El Shaddai are two El Shaddai that you literally say Jehovah Ra or Jehovah Rafi. But I do think, I do think that in the Hebrew, that's God's name. Um, and we're going to speak Hebrew in heaven, right? I, I don't know. There's many nations, many tribes, and probably many languages. But um, adopt one of those names and write it down. And let me give you a clue. Which one do you need the most right now? Martin Luther, mighty fortresses are God. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same, and he shall win the battle. That's my name this week for God. I am praying that over and over again. Lord, you're the, you're the head of a mighty host, meaning army, an angel army. Send your angels to help me. They're supposed to help your servants. Send your, the power of your spirit to conquer things. Help me in repentance. Help me not to be so defensive. You're my defender. You're the captain that rides at the head of that mighty host. Beginning of the year, may I consecrate myself again as a soldier following you wherever you want, wherever you lead me. You see how it's working? Now you may not be able to expand it that much, but what would your prayer life look if you had all of these names that regularly you could draw from that inventory from, that directory from? Choose one, at least one this morning, write it down, and then we're going to start the time clock. Let's go ahead and start the time clock. You can continue to write out your prayer, or you can simply pray to God by name. Let's do that, and then I'll close us in just a minute.